0: Hello and welcome to the latest Funds Fan episode, hosted by Kyle Caldwell and Sam Benstead. In this episode, we're going to be chatting about whether fans of Fundsmith should be concerned about its manager, Teddy Smith, making more changes to his portfolio than usual. We'll also be talking about a part of the market that professional multi asset investors have been buying, and that is bond funds. And there's a couple of other news stories of note for fans of investment trusts as well as some potential investment trust bargain opportunities. Later on in the podcast, in around 10 minutes' time, is an interview with Cormac Weldon, who is full manager of the Artemis US Smaller Companies Fund, which is a member of Interactive Investors' Super 60 list of fund ideas. We last had Cormac on the podcast 18 months ago, and this time around, it was Sam who carried out the interview. So Sam, what were the main highlights that the listeners have to look forward to? Hi, Kyle.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting speaking to Cormac. He's been investing in US shares for over 20 years, and has some insightful things to say about the relative value of American shares, and in particular, smaller companies at the moment. For example, he goes into how cheap smaller companies are relative to their history, despite showing good growth, and speaks about the sectors he has been increasing his investments in this year.
0: Cormac is a highly regarded US fund manager due to his uh, track record. So I'm looking forward to taking a listen to what he said in that interview. And to qualify that statement, the Artemis U.S. Smaller Company Fund, it launched in November 2014. And since launch, it's retained 233% versus 177% for the average fund in its sector. But before we get to that interview, let's run through the latest news that's of interest for fund and investment trust investors. We're going to start off with Teddy Smith. So Sam penned an article for the Interactive Investor website, ii.co.uk, in which he pointed out that Smith has been making more additions to the portfolio than usual. There's been four new stocks introduced since January. Now, for most full managers, that would be a very low number of new holdings. But for Terry Smith, that is on the high side.
1: That's right. Terry Smith has been quite active this year by his standards, churning the portfolio by about 3%. He's bought Alphabet, Adobe and Metler Toledo, which is a company which makes scales and analytical equipment, and also started building up another new position, which he's yet to disclose. He sold Starbucks as well. I'd argue this activity is a good sign. Stock markets have been extremely volatile this year, and fund managers should show their skill by buying their favorite stocks on the cheap. This for me is one of the key reasons to pay an active management fee. Smith has an amazing track record buying Microsoft when he launched his funds when nobody else was buying it and sticking with Facebook through the Cambridge Analytica scandal, so I trust his decisions. His technology purchases in 2022 have been caught up in the broader market sell-off this year, but delivered best-than-expected earnings when they reported in the spring quarter. Since the bottom of the market in mid-June, Amazon and Adobe have risen more than 20% and Alphabet is up about 15%. I'm really curious to find out what his new stock purchase is as well.
0: And Nick Train, he has a similar buy and hold philosophy to Teddy Smith. And there's also a bit of a similar approach in favouring high quality growth companies. Uh, Many of those companies have big brands and recurring revenues from repeat sales. However, Nick Train has presumably not been viewing the sort of the falls that have been happening in stock markets this year as a buying opportunity to the same extent that Smith has?
1: That's right. The two fund managers look for the same things when they buy stocks, but Trainers definitely more of a buy and hold investor, perhaps to a fault. This year, he's only sold the publisher, Pearson, and bought American data analytics company Fair Isaac Corp, and that's for his global fund. I'd have liked to see him dip into some well-established technology stocks with amazing brands such as Apple or, or perhaps Microsoft. But when I've spoken to him in the past, he said that technology is not his area of expertise and has therefore avoided companies like these.
0: And when you look at the head-to-head records, um, over three, five, and 10 years is a uh, Teddy Smith that has the upper hand over Nick Train. Um, and over that longer period, the well, the longest period, 10 years, um, Fundsmith Equity, it's up 381% versus 291% for Lindsay Train Global Equity. Of course, investors needed those funds. They'll surely have no complaints um, over those strong performance numbers. Um, and over the past year, um, interestingly, Nick, Nick Train's Global Fund is slightly ahead of Fundsmith Equity. And all those figures are according to FE Fund Info. We're now going to move on to bonds. Um, bonds were something that both myself and Sam spoke about in the last Funds Fan episode. Um, and since then, I've been speaking to a number of multi asset fund managers. And there's definitely a bit of a trend going on at the moment. And that trend is that bond funds are back on the menu. Sam, could you summarise why these professional multi-asset investors are finding more value in bond funds than they have done for a number of years?
1: The main reason is that yields are now higher. So bonds are beginning to fulfil their traditional role in a portfolio of giving investors a good, steady stream of income. Bonds have sold off this year due to rising interest rates and expectations of more to come. When rates go up, investors get a better deal by buying new bonds, so they sell old ones. This causes prices to fall and yields, which means inversely to price, rise. This means safe government bonds, like those from the US, yield about 3%, while the most secure corporate debt can yield about four or 5%. What's more, if sentiment turns on inflation and investors expect it to come down slightly more than anticipated, they'll buy these high yielding bonds, therefore pushing up their price. Basically, investors can now get a good income from bonds, but also a decent chance of capital gains as well.
0: There could of course be fair the pain to come. um you know the moves to increase interest rates to attempt to cool inflation may not prove to be successful um, and this could lead to a you know a nightmare scenario of stagflation um and this backdrop it would be bad news for both bonds and equities. Um, and the but the pros I spoke to, they made the point that following the bond market sell off, um, that risk aside, you know the, the downside risk for bonds has become more limited. Um, and given the bond yields are more attractive, um, haven't risen from historically low levels. Um, as you mentioned, Sam, the expectation is the bonds going forward will resume, resume their role as acting as a diversifier to equities, um, which year to date has not played out. And you can find out all of the funds mentioned in the article on our website, ii.co.uk. Next, we're going to move on to investment trusts. Um, Over the past couple of weeks, both myself and Sam, we've written a couple of articles highlighting potential investment trust discount opportunities. Um, In my latest investment trust bargain hunter column, um, I published a screen that showed 13 investment trusts that are today trading on bigger discounts than their five-year average. Among those 13 trusts, there were four private equity trusts um, that that screen identified, and they were Apex Global Alpha, CT, Private Equity Trust, HarbourVest, Global Private Equity, and Pantheon International. Private Equity trusts they invest in uh, growth companies, which, of course, are no longer Flavor of the Month, given the um, tightening in monetary policy. And, and that is down to the fact that high inflation and increases in interest rates devalue the future earnings of growth companies. Such companies have seen their share prices fall heavily this year. And following this, um, investors are fearful that um, private companies have also seen big markdowns in value. And given the private equity trust tends to update the value of their underlying investments only once a quarter, which is the net asset value, the NAV, some investors are sceptical that the current valuations do not reflect reality. However, investment trust analysts on the whole are very bullish about private equity trusts and don't seem to be too concerned about the valuations of their holdings following the volatility in public equity markets. Sam, in the separate piece you wrote on investment trust discounts, there were two private equity trusts that were touted as being potential turnaround opportunities. Could you run through them?
1: They were HG Capital Trust and HarbourVest Global Private Equity. Um, Tipped by stockbroker Numis, HG owns a portfolio of boring but essential workplace software firms, things like accounting or human resources programmes. Its share price has more than doubled over the past five years, but fallen about 7% so far this year, and now trades at a 10% discount. This is rare, given that it's traded at an average 1.2% premium over the past year. Numis reckons investors are too pessimistic about the value of its private companies, and when they next release their NAVs, um, which will be for the six months to the end of September, there may be a positive surprise which will trigger a higher share price. HarbourVest was tipped by broker Peel Hunt. It's on a 41% discount, but the analysts said that this was unjustified and it was merely a consequence of pessimism in public markets and not about the quality of its portfolio. If investors become more optimistic, then there could be a big rebound in the share price.
0: We regularly cover investment trust discounts on ii.co.uk. In addition to the bargain hunter column, um, we separately look at the biggest investment trust discount moves each week. And that's a new series that we recently kicked off called Discount Delver. So uh, do check that out. And finally, we're going to briefly run through a couple of news stories related to investment trusts. The first is that uh, in the half-year results of the Allianz Technology Trust, it was confirmed that Walter Price, who's been managing that trust since two thousand and seven, will be retiring at the end of this year. He's going to hand over the lead manager responsibilities to Mike Seibenberg, who um, joined the trust research team back in two thousand and nine. Sam. Walter Price, he's, he's hanging up his boots at a time when um, the short-term performance has come off the boil. Could you run through how the trust fared in that six-month period to the end of June?
1: So, underperformed underperformance benchmark in the first half of the, of the year, delivering a net asset value loss of 30.6% compared with a 22.7% loss for Dow Jones World Technology Index. However, the trust discount widened to 13.9% over the reporting period leaving shareholders nursing a 41% total loss. Shares have since rebounded and are now down by about 25%
0: this year. Of course, you know, if you're a long-term investor, you'll surely have no complaints. You know, over five and 10 years, its share price total return stands at 150% and 715% for the 10-year period. And the final news story is that the Begley Gifford-managed Monks Investment Trust is proposing to merge with Independent Investment Trust. This is subject to approval from both of the trust shareholders, and that vote is expected to take place in October. Both trusts focus on trying to find high growth shares from the UK market in the case of Independent and on a global scale in the case of Monks. And Independent Investment Trust, it's much more concentrated than Monks. It holds 35 shares, whereas Monks holds around 100 holdings. So there's some similarities, but also some differences. And as mentioned, the vote on the proposed merger, it'll take place in October.
1: Our guest today is Cormac Weldon, head of US stocks at Artemis and manager of the Super 60 recommended Artemis US Smaller Companies Fund. He joined Artemis in 2014 and before that worked at Columbia Threadneedle, where he was also a manager of U.S. stock investments. Since launch eight years ago, his U.S. smaller companies fund has made investors about 210%. That's about 50 percentage points more than the typical U.S. stocks manager and even further ahead of its benchmark, the Russell 2000 index. Cormac, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast.
2: Not at all, thank you for asking me.
1: Great, so could you just tell us a bit about the fund? Is there a particular investment style that you identify with, and what type of stocks are you buying at the moment
2: yeah the, 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 there isn't um uh, a long run particular investment style that we have um rather we we do try to tailor the fund to what investment style we think might outperform in 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 the in the future you know that being said we, we, which means You know, we would have growth companies, you know, higher growth companies in the portfolio, while at the same time maybe having uh, cheaper stocks or stocks that are more sensitive to economic growth in the portfolio as well. You know, that being said, uh, uh, over the the period since we launched the fund in in 2014, we have had a a bias towards higher quality companies, which tend to be a little bit more expensive than uh, than the rest of the market. uh, but also growthier companies as well, um, so that that's been something of a of a permanent uh, skew in the fund. And and really the the, the reason for um, wanting uh, quality uh, and growth. And you know, quality could be captured in many ways. It might be the indebtedness. It might be our perception of of the the company's per, uh, competitive positioning. You know, do we think this company? can succeed and compete against larger companies because most of our companies do compete against larger companies and you know as we know from from economics 101 scale if you're bigger than than your competitor that tends to be quite an important advantage so so as we look at the companies that we might invest in. We're, we're looking for, for companies that have that's something special about them. Now, perhaps they're the biggest company in their particular business, or or maybe, and what tends to be the case, they're more innovative. They, 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 um, uh, larger companies tend to rest in their laurels, tend to want to milk cash from a successful business, uh, and not want to disrupt or innovate uh, um, um, their their own business, whereas smaller companies have to they've they've no choice. They've got to be nimble uh, and uh, and innovative, and that's really where uh, the 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 type of company we're uh, we're aiming at and wanting the portfolio. Uh, there was a second part of your question. Um, uh, I think about what what we're what we're doing now. Is uh, that is that right? Yeah. So where do you sit on this kind
1: of you know value, quality, growth spectrum at the moment? Where are you finding the best opportunities?
2: Um, well, uh, to, to be frank, we're, we're finding opportunities uh, across the market. Uh, I mean, perhaps the most um, um, expensive uh, part of the market at the moment are are the dull companies, if I, if I could say, put, put it that way. You know, maybe companies that aren't growing that much, uh, but but you know, have a good position and 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 can sort of grow at a relatively low level for a period of time. Now, um, th- those companies tend to be. Quite expensive, um, but uh, it, over, over you know say the past six to nine months, uh, we, we found um, opportunities in a couple of parts of the market. Um, w- one part is is all has got to do with the evolution of of the power system in the U uh, in, in in the U.S. and I mean, actual electricity, not not political power, um, and 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 really, there it's 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 driven by a number of things. There's lots of different factors impacting that. Uh, obviously, ESG and the move to uh, renewables is one very significant one. Uh, but the another aspect is is you know the the desire to have uh, um, uh, electronic vehicles. And that requires, if that's to happen, and if if some of the more optimistic uh, views of of electronic vehicles uh, is to happen, um, there, there needs to be significant investment in the current electricity grid that we have. Um, so, so in, in in the portfolio, we we we've looked at a number of different aspects of of really the tailwind of investment that's going to drive those things. Uh, and and you know look for com- companies that that can uh, capture uh, that that uh, that that increase in investment. So um, you know for, for so for instance, one company we've owned for quite a while is is a company called Nextera Energy Partners. Uh, they are the biggest owner uh, of uh, renewable um, uh, capacity in the U.S. Um, you know wind and, and uh, wind and and solar predominantly. Uh, and what they do is they they own that they build it and they own it, and then they sell the output, the electricity from that, uh, ge- that from that generation capacity, to other utilities who who obviously then blend it in as part of their uh, energy solution. Now we've owned we've owned Nextair for quite some time, uh, because really you know ir- irrespective of of uh, the political environment renewables have been growing in the US uh, for for qu- quite some time um but to take that a step further and then uh, all, all of this new renewable capacity that's been built all over the US then has to be connected into the electricity grid uh, and a company we own Valmont is is doing that they they literally dig the trenches and lay the wires uh, and design the network and uh, uh, and, uh, do all of that work from connecting that new renewable capacity into the grid. Um, Another company we own is Jacobs, and they actually do the designing of of, um, changes that utilities want to make. So, for instance, um, one utility we own um, in in California is considering uh, putting Ten thousand miles of cables under the ground rather than strung from pole to pole um, uh, in in areas that might be sensitive to to wildfires, so Jacobs would do the design of of you know what what that will take, what they'll need to do, uh, and obviously the cost of that so so I would say one uh, and we have increased our exposure uh, to to some of the companies I, i've uh, I, I've mentioned over the past uh, six to nine months so we we, we do see that. Capital investment, infrastructure investment, uh, as being uh, quite a big opportunity over over a number of years. Uh, it's not that these issues aren't going to get solved overnight.
1: Can I can I just ask, are you are you paying a premium for these, you know, power related companies in the in the current environment? Obviously, energy prices are soaring, and renewable energy has never been so important. So, are you you know are you kind of paying a lot for these types of firms, or actually are they reasonably valued?
2: They they are they're reasonably valued. Some 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 parts of 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 um renewables and and obviously uh EVs are are very expensive. But these uh these are you know the couple of the companies I mentioned, Jacobs and Valmont. You know they're 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 um, um uh, certainly trading what what we believe are attractive valuations. Um and certain certainly not the excessive valuations that you hear when uh, when you hear about solar or. Or uh, electronic vehicles, so so no, it, it's an attractive part of the market. We attractively valued, we think still, um, and because you know, perhaps you know, the, the some of what they do. I mean, digging trenches and laying wires isn't the isn't perhaps the most innovative work you can do, but 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 nonetheless, we, we, we it needs to be done. Uh, some of this basic stuff uh, just just has to happen, and and there's um, uh, uh, plenty of uh of of investment dollars behind uh, behind that theme so so no we we, we believe they're still uh, very attractive
1: yeah but what's your definition for a smaller company and and what's the kind of the cap on size for inclusion in the portfolio and then just you know after that what are the what are the advantages of, of investing in smaller companies particularly in the u.s
2: sure um so um, our definition of smaller company is um, less than ten billion dollars, uh, and which which I think to most smaller companies, investors in Europe and the UK certainly seems like a, a very big number. I mean, really, um, our, our our thought is you know lots of our investors and lots of our clients have exposure to the S and P five hundred. Um, the S and P five hundred uh, has almost none of it. Uh, of, of its market capitalization in companies of 10 billion dollars and less, um, and also the 10 billion dollar and less market in the U.S. is actually bigger than the European equity market. So, so there's a a uh, our 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 feeling was there's a huge market here that most investors aren't tapping into, uh, and that you know by you know, having a, a limit of up to 10 billion dollars uh, that we can access a wide range of opportunities. In what is the still the, the biggest economy in the world, and that that perhaps uh, dictates dictates the larger size than you would say have it, have uh, in in the UK. Um, the the opportunity um, at the moment is is we are we're, we're going through a tightening cycle in interest rates. Um, the, the the market has uh, has obviously underperformed and, and, uh, and given up quite a bit of performance from over the past couple of years, um, uh, but um, uh, at some point interest rates will have gone up enough. Uh, we will have had something of a slowdown in the economy which we 're seeing now uh, but but there will be a point which we need to look over that valley and and think about you know what what will uh, um, outperform in the economy. You know, once inflation has started to decline, and you know we are confident that the, the Federal Reserve uh, will um, uh, get on top of inflation and reduce that. Some of it will happen um, uh, almost automatically uh, because there were in, there was quite a lot of excesses. That happened during uh, coronavirus, like secondhand cars going up so much in price, we believe they 'll come down in price, which is obviously disinflationary so so the opportunity um, is is really to to um, uh, we're, we're at the point sometime in the next number of months where um, well maybe maybe six to nine months where we can start to look past uh, the slowdown in the economy to what will, will then would, uh, would then do well I, I think I think from from a a uh, why now? Another aspect of it is is obviously the valuation of the companies, and and really uh, for the first time in quite some time, uh, we can say that smaller companies are, are cheap versus larger cap companies. Um, so and and when I say quite some time, it's really going back to nineteen ninety nine uh, that um, smaller companies were as cheap as they are today. And and to give you a, give you a sense of. Of that um our smaller companies fund is is uh trading at a, a an earnings multiple of of about sixteen times um that's a, a equal to the smaller com- uh, the smaller companies' universe but it is cheaper uh, than say the s and p five hundred we also uh, run a larger cap and s p five hundred company and our smaller companies fund is is for the first time in in quite some time. Uh, cheaper than than those larger cap stocks. In addition, the prospective growth rate, the earnings growth rate uh, of of the portfolio in smaller companies is quite a bit higher than it is in large companies, which is what you what you would hope for. You know, you're taking on some additional risk and buy smaller companies. Therefore, you want to get compensated by by uh, having higher growth, uh, and that's certainly the, certainly the case today. Um, I would also say that in comparing. Our fund to um, uh, to to the benchmark, the smaller companies benchmark, that the return on equity uh, of uh, of uh, our portfolio is higher than the benchmark, which really which really is the sort of evidence of we we've got higher quality, better growth companies in our portfolio than than the benchmark has. Apologise, that's a long answer to your question.
1: No, that that's a, that's a great answer. Um, you mentioned inflation there. That's just one of the um, issues that investors are having to grapple with. we also got maybe recession coming up in, in the US, um, geopolitical tension with Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan at, at the moment. So out of all these issues, um, what is the biggest debate that you're having with your team at the moment? What's the biggest kind of thing that like, you're trying to get your head around? And then how are you investing off the decisions you, you make regarding that issue?
2: Yeah, no, that's a super question because because in when you 're investing over you know a reasonably long period of time there can be markets that are actually quite quiet and and it 's really company focused by i mean quite quiet there aren 't surprises the economy's chugging along and growing uh, and and you you can really focus on on the fundamentals of the individual business because that 's what the market focuses on at the moment uh, the markets uh, is certainly uh, being preoccupied by um uh, by by inflation uh, and by interest rates uh, and what, what and really the consequences of of slowing down inflation. So so the Federal Reserve have a mandate uh, to have inflation at two percent. Um, obviously at the moment it's running quite a bit higher than that. So in 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 in, in an effort to to uh, reduce inflation, uh, the the Federal Reserve are, are raising interest rates, which they've already done. Quite a bit, um, uh, uh, and, and really, so so the debate is where are we in that process, um, and where is the market? What is the market discounted? So so you know we, we're, we we've had a slowdown in the economy that that that's for sure, um, but has the market over discounted already already discounted all of that slowdown, and 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 are our stocks too cheap? Uh, for what what is uh, is going to happen? So it's really that debate. It's it's the intersection of of what what uh, what how companies are valued, uh, and therefore you know what the the prospective return into the future will be, um, and and you know, where where the Federal Reserve are, are on their tightening now. Wh- where, where do we come down on that? Well, we come down on that that, that we we we've uh, got some exceptional opportunities uh, in in the market at the moment. Um, um, I talked about, you know, the infrastructure opportunity, other, and an, another opportunity is certainly within some of the higher growth, um, uh, technologies, uh, companies, um, where, where their valuations have come down and down and down. You know, w- one example is, is we own a, a company called MKS instruments, which nobody will have heard of, I think on the podcast, but you know, they, they provide key technology and equipment that, that goes into, the manufacture of every semiconductor in the world so so the the manufacture of a semiconductor is an incredibly uh, technological uh, process um, and uh, and obviously needs you know the best equipment and the best processes to produce these these tiny uh, little uh, wonders of the world in a semiconductor uh, MKS provide um, key equipment um, in, in, into that process. Now, you know, there isn't a, a strong tailwind of, of demand for them today, um, but we're confident that over the next couple of years that demand will strengthen uh, and their business will do better. But, but the beauty of it is is we're getting to buy it uh, at a at, at valuation today which is almost the lowest valuation that it's traded at in, in uh, 10 or 12 years. So so it's that sort of opportunity that that you know when you're thinking about you know how deep will the recession how long will it be it's it's well you know if the stock is as cheap as it's been in a long long time um, you know and we're obviously we have to know the business and we have to be confident in their competitive position that they're not going to get displaced by somebody et cetera et etc but if we 're confident in that business we can be i believe confident that over the next number of years we uh, we will earn good returns on that as as the clouds clear on the economic side and and demand picks up for semiconductors again and you've been investing in,
1: in US stocks for a long time now. So how unique is this opportunity today with regards to maybe sectors that are undervalued, but just broadly on you know how far stocks have fallen this year?
2: We have had periods you know, like at the end of uh, um, uh, the 90s, when, when smaller companies became very cheap relative to the rest of the market because the market was obsessed by very large cap uh very large cap companies at that point but 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 so 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 first of all the valuation of small companies is equal to them and and really other than that sorry that they're they weren't this cheap Sorry, even back to the uh b back to the 80s so so there's something of a that so that opportunity is is let's say a, a, a second in twenty-year opportunity, second in thirty-year opportunity, I should say. So, so that's that. that I mean, that, that's they don't come along. Uh, they don't come along too often. Um, I, I would say the the degree of of um, uh, investment that's needed to take uh, at, at the economy and parts of the economy uh, from where they are today to where. People and governments and, and individuals want it to be is 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 probably bigger than 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 anything we've seen. Uh, um, I certainly uh, than I've seen from the early '90s. And really, again, I'm 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 mainly focusing on on the energy transition and all that has to happen to make that happen is 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 a huge amount of investment, uh, which will which will obviously. We believe benefit the companies that, that provide the know-how to, to enable that. so, so that, that's one aspect that's, that's certainly um, uh, certainly different. Uh, I think the other one is and, and this is different. People make the comparison between the technology bubble of '99, 2000 and today. You know, we, we think we're in a very different um, uh, environment to, to back then. Uh, you know the advent of cloud computing and what that enables, uh, and uh, and and what that uh, then. Um, uh, means for for investment for every companies you your company our company and and you know and and all the way up to the very largest companies in the world and how they run their business um, using the cloud and using then uh, yeah, software that that enables them to uh, to run that more efficiently I think that that is also uh, different and 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 and, uh, and has longevity uh, we believe. Uh, over, over the next number of years, uh, quite, probably quite a number of years to come. Um, so, I think they're probably the two aspects I would point out that uh, that are are um, somewhat unique over the past thirty years.
1: Cormac, that's really really interesting. Just finally, the last question that we ask all of our guests: Do you personally invest in the fund?
2: Of course, yes. Uh, a a. A defining rule of of uh, being an Artemis is we eat our own cooking. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Not at all. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking me.
0: That's all we have time for for today. You can check out the rest of our Funds Fan Podcast series on ii.co.uk and you can also find the rest of our Funds, Investment Trust and ETF content on our website. We'll be back in September. Hopefully, see you then.